good morning. What an awesome, awesome day of worship. And uh, thank you so much, uh, leadership team, worship team. Y'all appreciate them. I'm just so, yes, uh, so thankful for them and their heart for worship just in their own personal lives and their heart to lead us in worship. Um, well, it's good to see all of you. Some of you are back for the first time this week, and a Happy New Year to you. So good to see you guys. For those who were here last week, it's great to see you again. And um, I am so, so, so excited about today in worship. Today is our Vision Sunday. Are you excited? <laughs> Vision 2013. Mickey's excited. Um, I am just so excited about today, and uh, we'll talk about what today is, is about in just a second. But as I mentioned last week, kind of the first two Sundays of every year, uh, especially this year, just wanted to take time to pause on the opportunity that we have that God brings with every new year, with every new season. We're in the middle of a transition from 2012 to 2013, and as we make that transition as one chapter closes and another one begins as we flip the page and begin to see a new story unfold. We have an opportunity to take time and reflect on the year past and to take time and reflect on the year ahead. And honestly, that's some of what we're going to be doing here today. We're going to be asking the questions, how have we seen God's faithfulness in this last year? And I hope you'll ask that question. The questions that we ask today, we're going to be talking about personal and for us as a church, but how have we seen God's faithfulness in the past year? How are we looking to see God's faithfulness in the next year? What visions do we feel that God has given us? What dreams do we feel that we can pursue? What are we asking God for this year? What does He desire of us? What would it look like for us to align ourselves to Him? What would it look like if we more fully surrendered to Him this year? And we're going to be exploring some of that today in the Word. Um, if you will, open your Bibles to the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy is in the Old Testament. It's part of the Pentateuch, those first few books of the Bible. And we haven't been to the Old Testament in a little while, but I want us to look this morning uh, briefly as we begin our Vision 2013 Sunday at Deuteronomy chapter 1. And this chapter shows us, it helps us remember the importance of, of maintaining faith and maintaining fervor in every season of life. In every season of life, every chapter that begins, every page that turns, in every season, God wants us to maintain faith. And He calls us to maintain fervor and faithfulness in our love for Him and our devotion to Him. The beauty of change... So, who's... Ex I asked this last year, I mean last week, but who's excited about 2013? I get excited about the new year. Okay, yes, thank you. Man, that was so much more excitement than I got last week. <laughs> I'm so excited about the new year. And the, the opportunity before us is that it offers us a chance for a fresh beginning. But the danger, the danger of new beginnings is that sometimes it could lead us into fear. Sometimes it could lead us into pride. Sometimes it could lead us into faithlessness. And so as we approach Deuteronomy 1 today, we're going to be looking at a season. It's, it's, Deuteronomy 1 is essentially a reflection on history. What happened when God called the Israelites, His chosen people, 
out of Mount Sinai and wanted to move them into a new season, move them into a season that he had prepared for them. And so we're going to be looking at today from Deuteronomy 1 how to handle seasons of change and how not to handle seasons of change. So there's a few principles I want to point out for you. If you've got your bulletins, there's a blank space on the back. Most of you had bulletins in your chairs. The reason we provide a blank space on the back is so that you can write these things down, so that you can learn these principles, so you can take them home and meditate on them later and apply them in your own life. And so I encourage you to do that this morning. But first, let's read together Deuteronomy chapter 1. And we're actually going to begin in verse 5. Beyond the Jordan and the land of Moab, Moses undertook to explain the law, saying, The Lord our God said to us in Horeb, which is essentially another name for Sinai. All throughout Deuteronomy, Sinai is called Horeb, just for those of you who want to study Deuteronomy later and you get confused. You have stayed too long enough at this mountain. Turn and take your journey and go to the hill country of the Amorites and to all their neighbors of Arabah in the hill country and in the lowland and the Negev and the seacoast, the land of the Canaanites and Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates. See, I have set the land before you. God's saying, I'm, it's time to begin a new chapter. It's time to move into a new page. I have set this before you. Go in and take possession of the land that the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give to them and to their offspring after them. Now I want you to skip down to verse 19. Then we set out from Horeb, or Sinai, and went through all that great and terrifying wilderness that you saw on the way to the hill country of the Amorites as the Lord our God commanded us. And we came to Kadesh Barnea. And I said to you, you have come to the hill country of the Amorites which the Lord our God is giving us. See, the Lord your God has set this land before you. Go up, take possession, as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has told you. Do not fear or be dismayed. Then all of you came to near me and said, Let's send men before us, that they may explore the land for us and bring us word again of the way by which we must go up and the cities into which we come. The thing seemed good to me, and I took twelve men from you, one man from each tribe. And they turned and went up into the hill country and came to the valley of Eskol and spied it out. And they took into their hands some of the fruit of the land, and they brought it down to us and brought us word again and said, It is a good land. It is a good land that the Lord God is giving us. Verse 26. Yet you would not go up, but rebelled against the command of the Lord your God. And you murmured in your tents, and you said, Because the Lord God hated us, He's brought us out of the land of Egypt to give us into the land of the Amorites, to destroy us. Where are we going up? Our brothers have made our hearts melt, saying, The people are greater and taller than we. And the cities are great, and they're fortified all the way up to heaven. And besides, we've seen the sons of Anakim there. And then I said to you, do not be in dread or afraid of them. The Lord your God who goes before you will himself fight for you, just as he did for you in Egypt before your eyes and in the wilderness where you have seen how the Lord your God carried you as a man carries his son all the way that you went until you came to this place. Yet in spite of this word, you did not believe the Lord your God. 
who went before you in the way to seek you out a place to pitch your tents, in the fire by night and in the cloud by day, to show you by what way you should go. Verse 34. And the Lord heard your words and was angered, and he swore, Not any of these men of this evil generation shall see the good land that I swore to give to your fathers, except Caleb, the son of, and you get the words like this and you just kind of have to laugh, right? Because no matter how you try to pronounce it, it's just going to be bad. Jephunneh. <laughs> he shall see it, and to him and to his children I will give the land on which he has trodden, because he has wholly followed the Lord. Even with me, the Lord was angry on your account and said, You also shall not go in there. Now, this is Moses speaking. Joshua, the son of Nun, who stands before you, he shall enter. Encourage him, for he shall cause Israel to inherit it. And as for your little ones, who said, who you said would become a prey, and your children, who today have no knowledge of good or evil, they shall go in there. And to them I will give it, and they shall possess it. But as for you, but as for you, turn and journey into the wilderness and the direction of the Red Sea. Verse 41, then you answered me, we have sinned against the Lord. We ourselves will go up and fight just as the Lord God commanded us. And every one of you, every one of you fastened on his weapons of war and thought it easy to go up into the hill country. And the Lord said to me, say to them, do not go up or fight, for I am not in your midst, lest you be defeated before your enemies. So I spoke to you. And you would not listen. But you rebelled against the command of the Lord and presumptuously went up into the hill country. Then the Amorites who lived in that hill country came out against you and chased you as bees do and beat you down in Seir and as far as Hormah. And you returned and wept before the Lord. But the Lord did not listen to your voice or give ear to you. So you remained at Kadesh many days. The days that you remained there. Lord, we come to you this morning, and God, we are sitting, Lord, at the precipice of this year, this new season, this new page that you have turned before us. And God, we know that you have called us into this new season, that you have set this season before us, Lord. And God, we know that you have a vision for us, you have a desire for us, you have a plan for us, you have dreams for us in this new season. God, dreams and a plan and a vision that you have prepared for us. God, help us to learn from your word. Help us to learn what you say about how we should walk into new seasons. Help us to live according to your ways. So that, God, you would be glorified in our life this season. That you would be glorified in our church. That you would receive the praise. And, Lord, that we would see great things happen because of your awesome power and ability. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. A couple of things that we can learn from the Israelites and from this passage about new seasons in life and new seasons in our church, and then we'll apply this at the end of the message. So about half the time, I want to give you these principles, and I want to talk about how, what is the foundation for approaching a Vision Sunday like this? What is the foundation for approaching a new year in your life? How are you supposed to approach this year? What are the principles that you're to live by? What does God want you to know about the year ahead? Don't you want to know that? Okay. 
This is all about new seasons. The first thing I, you need to know, the Lord wants you to know, is that you need to remember God's faithfulness. Everybody should be writing this down or putting on your iPhone or whatever it is that you do. The first thing that you need to do is to remember God's faithfulness. As the Israelites faced this new journey, this new challenge, this new season, as they moved from Sinai toward the promised land that God wanted to give them, he is telling them to think back onto every time that he has been faithful. In every situation in their lives, they could say one thing, God has been faithful. On the good days, God has been faithful. On the bad days, God has been faithful. And the easy days, God has been faithful. On the hard days, God has been faithful. In every situation in your life, in every season in your life, in everything that you have ever gone through, God has been faithful. Amen? The Lord's faithfulness endures from generation to generation. He does not change. And one thing that God wants you to remember and to know is that He is faithful. I know personally that every single time I have trusted the Lord God, I have found Him faithful. Could you say the same thing? Every time that I have trusted the Lord God, I have found Him faithful. And He is faithful to His people, and He's faithful to His promises. He will provide. He will protect. He will satisfy. He will sustain. He will keep you going. His mercy is new every morning. His steadfast love never comes to an end. Great is His faithfulness. Amen? God is faithful. He is faithful. He is faithful. Just say that with me. God is faithful. Say it. Yes. Verse 31, he's, he says to the people, you have seen how the Lord God has carried you as a man carries his own son. The picture here that God is giving us is, is one of a child who cannot figure out his own way. A lost child. So lost that the father comes and carried him. So unable to do on his own that the father comes and picks him up and carries him to safety. God says, this is how I've been to you. Many times in your life, you haven't been able to do it on your own. You've messed it up. You've gotten lost. You've, you've gone your own way. And as a father carries a son, so I have carried you. You might have been faithless, but God has always been faithful. Amen? Our life is a testimony to His faithfulness. He said, all the way that you went until this place, the Lord your God went before you. Before you were ever there, God is faithful. God is faithful. He went before you in the way to seek out a place for you to pitch your tents. He provided direction for you, fire by night and a cloud by day, food from heaven. God has always been faithful, and He will always be faithful. Isn't that good news? God wants you to look back at 2012. And remember that He has been faithful to you. Anybody got a testimony of that this year? Or a testimony of that in your life? Every time you've turned to God, He's been there. Every time you've needed Him, He's been there. He's provided. He's sustained. His promises are true. And the same will be in 2013. God is faithful. He's a rock from generation to generation. He will not change. 
you have so much to look forward to, to be confident about, to trust in, to hope in, in 2013. Because why? Say it with me. God is faithful. Hebrews 10, 25. Let us hold fast to our confession without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Let me tell you good news this morning. God's faithfulness doesn't depend on your obedience. Amen? God's faithfulness doesn't depend on your circumstance. God's faithfulness doesn't depend on anything that you will do or ever have done. God is faithful because He has said that He is faithful. He's faithful because that is His name. He's faithful because He will not break any promise. That is the bedrock for our hope. Let us hold fast to our confession. Why? Because we deserve God's faithfulness? No, because He is faithful. Amen? Second principle. Hope you write it down. Everybody should be writing, typing, doing your thing. Second principle we can learn as we approach a new season. As you consider where you are, as you consider where you are going into 2013, where we are as a church going into 2013, remember where you used to be. Sometimes with new seasons of life, we can get so excited and so hope-filled and so We have so many plans, and those are good things that the Lord wants for us, but sometimes it can lead us into pride if we're not careful. The Israelites could have marched out of Mount Sinai and thought, "Uh uh-huh-huh, we about to go take up some land. They got some swagger, you know. I can't even do swagger, but if I could, that's what it looked like. You know, sometimes we can try to get some swagger. By the way, somebody gave me slang flashcards for Christmas. They said that, As a pastor, I need to be able to use relevant terms, and swagger was one of those, I think. So there it is. I got some swagger. So the Israelites, you know, you could have some swagger walking into 2013 where you get overly confident about the things that you think are going to happen, the plans that you've made or the desires that you have. You get overly confident in those things being that you look at yourself. As you go into 2013 and as we go as a church, we must not forget where we used to be. Because where we are is all due to God. And where you are is completely owing to Him. Be careful not to ascribe credit to yourself. Be careful not to ascribe praise to your own name. No, God is the one. God gets the credit. God gets the thanks. God gets the praise. It has been Him. Deuteronomy 1 verse 30 that we just looked at. It says here, The Lord your God who goes before you will himself fight for you, just as he did for you in Egypt before your eyes in the wilderness. What he's saying is, before you develop swagger, remember where you came from. Yes, I want to move you into an awesome, great place. But remember, the place that you are is completely owing to me. Because before you were in Egypt, you were in bondage. You don't deserve any of this. I did this for you. I'm the one that gets the credit. I'm the one that gives the praise. We've got to live in constant gratitude and thankfulness and praise of God. Amen? He's, I mean, is there anybody want to just raise their hand today and just take credit for how great your life is? For any success that you've had? For where you live? For the things that you have? For the occupation that you have? For the schooling that you're enjoying? Anybody want to take credit for any of that? We can't. Anybody want to take credit for the salvation that we enjoy? the relationship with God that we have, the peace that we have, the contentment and satisfaction that we find in our Lord Jesus Christ. Anybody want to take credit? No. 
It is completely owing to the Lord Jesus. All we can do is say what? Thank you, God. I hope that is your heart going into 2013. Let me tell you, as a church, I believe the Lord has incredible things for us this next year. I'm talking incredible things for us. But I will not allow us to become haughty and puffed up and think, oh, we're so great for doing all these things because, you know, when I joined this church, there were about 25 people. We met in the top of a schoolroom. Every Sunday at 6 a.m., I went and got crates with a bunch of other folks. We pushed them all across Harbortown, trying to load up all these flights of stairs in this little bitty schoolroom. I remember when we didn't even know if the church would survive. I remember when we had so much opposition and so much hardship that we thought, can we even keep going? The Lord brought us through. The Lord has grown His church. The Lord has done great things for us, and we will rejoice. Amen? And the Lord will continue to do great things, but we will not move forward in haughtiness. We will move forward in humility because it is God who has been faithful to us. As we go, we remember where we've been. Step three. Everybody should be writing or typing, whatever you do. As you move forward in faith, as you move forward in faith, believe God for great and miraculous things. As you move into 2013, as we as a church move into 2013, we should believe God for great and awesome things. Deuteronomy 1, verse 8 and verse 21 that we just read. The Lord says, look, see, see, I've set this land before you. Go in and take possession of the land that the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give to them and to their offspring after them. See, the Lord your God has set the land before you. He's trying to get their attention and say, guys, stop your narrow-minded thinking. Stop thinking that all you should expect is what you can produce. That's not how the Spirit of God works. When you're walking in the Lord, when you're walking in the Spirit, you should expect great and awesome things from Him. Amen? We should dream big dreams. We should have big visions. We should have strong desires. Not because we're able, but because we know God is able. Amen? Our confidence, our excitement, our joy, our hope is in God. Who In Ephesians 3, it says, Now to him who is able. Everybody say able. All right, raise your hands like this, and you say able, okay? Come on. Able. This is the picture, one of ability and strength. God is able. He looks better than I do. I don't look very able. God is able to do far more abundantly. Not just able. He's able to do far more abundantly than all that you ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to Him be the glory in the church, and in Christ Jesus through all generations. Amen. Listen, church, as you think about 2013, you should have big dreams for your life, not because you're great, but because you know God who is great. And we as a church are going to move forward into big plans that he has for us, big visions that he has for us, not because we think we're a great group of people, although I love you guys, but because the Lord is faithful and the Lord is able and he can do more than we could ever ask or think. Jesus said, all authority in heaven and on earth is given to me. Go and do because I am able. Amen?
Number four, and this is the last one before we get into the nitty-gritty here. The way to find success in new seasons is to continue to trust, obey, and exalt God. Yes, the Lord is able. Yes, He has things prepared for us, great things, things far more abundantly we could ever ask or think. But the way that we will find success in those things is to continue to trust, to continue to obey, and to continue to exalt God. Verse 21b, look at it in your Bible, Deuteronomy 21. The Lord says, Go up, take possession as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has told you. Do not fear or be dismayed. Which means don't doubt. Don't shrink back. Don't think this may not happen. Oh, goodness, I don't know. I'm just so scared. I can't even... I'm immobilized. I can't do anything. No, don't be that way. The Lord will fight for you. Verse 36. The people didn't trust the Lord. What ended up happening, what we know from numbers is that they sent the spies in, right? And they came back and they're like, we can't do this. We just can't do this. And eventually they were defeated. They didn't inherit the promises, the plans that God had for them for the next season. Why? Because they did not trust and obey God. And therefore, verse 36, you can see it in your Bible, no one shall see the good land except for Joshua because he has wholly followed the Lord. Verse 42, the Lord said to them, Say to them, Do not go up or fight, for I am not in your midst, lest you be defeated before your enemies. The way to success is to continue to hide yourself in the Lord, to rely on Him, to ask for His strength, to live every day in daily communion with Him, to live in His Spirit. John 15, Jesus says to us very clearly, Abide in Me. As the vine and the branches abide in Me, apart from Me, you can do nothing. Listen, in 2013, you can have a great piece of, a plan on a piece of paper, but it will accomplish no spiritual, eternal effect or significance if you are not abiding in the Lord Jesus Christ. It is God who wins the battles. It is God who has the victory. Not you. Your role is to live in communion and dependence in Him. To trust Him, to obey Him, to walk in His ways. Live in dependence on Him. In Matthew 19, Jesus says, With man, things are impossible. All kinds of things are impossible. But with God, it is possible. Amen? So these are the principles that form the foundation for this new season in your life and in our church. Now, in the rest of our time together, what I want to do, and you keep your pens and paper out because I want to walk through where we believe God is taking us in 2013. Are you excited about this? Now, this is the audience participation part of the sermon, okay? Here's what I want you to do as we walk through the vision that God has given us, and we have been praying for over two months now, and some of these have been coming for longer than that, about where God would have us go in this next year. If you see something that excites you, I just want you to put your hands together. Somebody just try that real quick. Okay, good, good, okay. You can just say amen, praise the Lord. You know, you can go old school, you can go new school, you can stand up and have swagger. I don't really care. Just, I just want you to be excited, okay, because this is a vision that God has put into our hearts for you and for our church. Now, we as Island Community Church have this mission statement. And this is the mission statement of our church, but this is also, I pray, the mission statement of your life. If you haven't memorized this, I encourage you to memorize this. Because this is so foundational for who we are. 
We glorify God by making disciples of all nations. We don't exist for ourselves. We exist for God. We glorify Him by bringing people to follow Him, making disciples. We cherish and follow Jesus and encourage everyone everywhere to do the same. We cherish and follow Jesus and we encourage everyone everywhere to do the same. I believe this year will be a year that we see God do awesome things through ICC and awesome things in your life. And I pray that God has made much of in your life this year. I pray that you would glorify Him through what you say, through what you do, from whatever you put your hand to, that it would be all about God and that the deepest desire of your heart would be for Jesus, that you would cherish Him this year, that you would follow Him this year, and that you would have a desire and also action that shows that you want others to know Jesus too. Amen? This is what we want to be about in 2013. The things I'm about to show you, we're going to walk through just very quickly the four pillars of our church. Who knows the four pillars of our church? Love, liberate, lead, launch. And praise God for a worship leader that writes a song about for our church. Isn't that awesome? We will love, we will lead. I'm not going to do it, but that was cool. It's a good way to remember it. Love, lead, liberate, and launch. These four pillars articulate for us the purposes that God has set for us as a church and for 2013. As, you, as we walk through these, I want you to remember these are not things that we do. These are things that we are. God has made us to be people of love, to be people who liberate, to be people who lead, and to people who go. This is core to our identity. And as we talk about our church, I want you to remember that our church is not an organization. Our church is a group of people. Okay? So when I say ICC, don't think about Barrett and Robbie and Mickey. I'm talking about us. This group of people. This is the vision that we believe God has called us to collectively. You, listen. No one is made to be a spectator in church. Church is not a place that you come to sit in hour and a half a week. Church is a body of people you belong to, you share life with, you find community with, you serve with, you go with. All right? There's no such thing as a spectator church member. To be a member of a church means, the Bible calls it like, it's like being a finger on your body. You're an active part of what the body is doing. Okay? So don't say, okay, this is what the church is doing as if that's out there. No, you are the church. All right? So we'll start real quick with love. The mission statement that we have for love is God's presence in our lives brings deep satisfaction to our hearts that overflows in joyful worship and genuine love toward others. Essentially, what we're saying here is that God's presence in our life is our greatest joy. It brings so much contentment to us. It satisfies us completely. People search for all kinds of things to make them happy. People will stay up late on the, on the internet looking at pornography. People will go down a casino and try to win money. People will sit around hoping for more friends, hoping that a, a girlfriend or a boyfriend will make them happy. 
People will pursue drugs. People will pursue alcohol. People will pursue climbing the corporate ladder. People will pursue trying to be great in their field of study. And something just doesn't seem to connect. It never seems to satisfy. You always need one more thing. And that's because your heart wasn't made for all that stuff. Your heart was made for God. See, happiness, lasting happiness cannot be found in other things because God hasn't made your heart that way. He's made your heart to find lasting happiness in Him. The greatest decision you could ever make would be to commit your life to God. He loves you. He wants you. He wants you so much that your sins separate you from Him, but He sent His Son Jesus. For God so loved the world that He gave. He gave His only Son Jesus that whoever would believe in Him would have everlasting life, life that springs up within, never runs dry, happiness, contentment within. Some of you guys in 2013, you just need to remember, this is us as a church. Our primary goal is not to do all kinds of stuff. Our first goal is to be satisfied in God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? You need to determine this year that you're not going to waste your time, waste your life pursuing everything that doesn't matter and neglecting the one thing that does. God matters. Amen? God is what you need. He's the one that satisfies. And what we say in our principle of love is that God so satisfies us that it overflows into joyful worship and genuine love toward others. Now, in 2012, we saw an awesome year for us. We saw an awesome year for us in worship and in fellowship. Let me tell you something. If there's one thing to thank God for, it's that we have a church that loves to worship and loves to hang out with each other. Amen? I mean, this is not something that we need a lot of help with. We love to get together. We love worshiping. We love eating, some of us more than others. We love it. We, people come in here all the time. New visitors will come in here and say, I just immediately felt like this is a family. This is a place that I was connected to. This is a real place. Sincere hearts here. And I thank God for that. That is something that God has done. It's something we continue to pray that he will continue to do. In 2013, the vision that God has given us is that this will continue and that this will increase. That more and more people will be drawn to love God and to be satisfied in him, to come in and to raise their hands in joyful worship and to extend a hand of fellowship to everyone, regardless of what they may look like, what background they have. All right? We want to be people of love. This year, 2012, we saw a 30% increase in attendance on Sundays at ICC. Okay, remember I told you the participation part? I pray in 2013 we see 30 at least, if not 200% increase. Amen? I want you to be people that love to worship. I want people to know they can come here on Sundays and raise their hands in joyful worship, that we will faithfully teach the Word of God, that we will faithfully raise our hands and sing praise to God our Savior. This place on Sunday should be known as a house of worship. Amen? And I want you to feel confident and comfortable to bring more people in. I want to keep growing. We will go to two services in this room as we have to. I would love it. Let's go to two services before we even get in the new building. Wouldn't that be great? Let's keep making this place a sincere place, a genuine place of worship. And we need you to be involved. This year we saw an increase in participation in worship. More people signing up to help teach our kids in worship, help lead them in their study of the word and lead them in worship. People volunteering to be greeters and set up and tear down teams. All of this is part of worship. And the reality is we want you to be a part of it. We've been asking for Sunday volunteer commitments Probably 30% of the church actually agree to do it. 
Most people think, oh, somebody else will do that. Don't think like that. If you just thought that, I'm talking to you. You need to sign up. We want you to be participating because we believe that when we're all participating, our church can be what it should be. And we believe that that is an expression of worship for you. If we all do it one Sunday a month, we would be overflowing with volunteers for what we need. And we believe we, God would bless and expand our worship ministry. Amen? We want to see an increase in attendance, an increase in participation, an increase of prayer, 930 prayer, so important. We want to see more people coming in to pray with us, to sit and hold hands together, and just to lift up our voice to God, crying out for our church and our community. It is so vital. We hope that through our love for God that we'll see continued increase in giving. I am so proud of our church, so proud of our church, thinking about where we were four years ago to where we are today. God has blessed, and more and more people are participating with us in worship through giving. And I say it's worship. It is worship. We show with our money how much God is worth. The question is not how much do I give to God. The question is how much do I keep for myself. See, our, where our heart is, Jesus says, that's, that's our treasure. Where our treasure is, there our heart is. It's, there's a relationship there. You can see what you love by how you spend your money. And we love to invest in the kingdom of God. We love to channel our resources in worship so that God would be glorified through what we have collectively. Amen? Now, on average, in 2012, if you just take our average Sunday attendance and our general budget, every person gives about $1,000. I believe that God wants to do more with us and what we worship Him with with our resources. I believe that if we all agreed, committed together to tithe, to give 10% of what comes in to, to tithe, and to give above our tithe what God generously gives, if we all agreed to do this together, some will, it doesn't matter how much you're giving. It matters the heart that you have to give. It just, it just matters. Are you willing to give God what He's worth? Are you willing to love God with your money? I pray in 2013 you, you will. And we're excited this year as we go into worship because we've got a, a planning team in place that is even more exciting than the ones we've had in the past. You know, I don't know if you know this. We plan for worship four weeks in advance. Every single week we're planning four weeks in advance. So this Sunday was being planned at the beginning of December. And we have a team of folks that gathers to pray and to prepare to make sure that God is giving us vision for the word and vision for the songs and vision for our time of corporate worship. Y'all need to be praying for this team and you need to think about being a part of this team in 2013. We're excited. Are you excited about worship? Yes. And let me tell you, fellowship will just keep going. I don't have to give vision for that because honestly, just keep loving each other. Y'all are doing great. The question for you this year, how will, I want you to think about this. How will I fuel my affections for God? This year for you, how will you fuel your affections for God. If you missed last week, I want you to go and download the message and listen to it. It was all about how to spend daily time in the Word of God. I hope that you will consider new ways to see that your heart is satisfied. Listen, our worship in here reflects our personal worship at home. When we come together, it reflects our personal worship. How will you fuel your affections for God this year? How will you worship? How will you pray? How will you give? And for some of us, we need to think about how we cultivate deeper and expanded relationships within the body of believers. How can you extend a welcome, loving hand? How can you invite somebody into your home this year for dinner? How can you 
hang out with folks in a new way. Move beyond your little bitty clicky friend circle. Open that circle up. Invite new people in. Does that make sense? How can this year be a year of love? Second, liberate. Our mission statement is this. God's grace through Jesus. Who's thankful for grace? Okay. God's grace through Jesus brings salvation and restoration to our lives and moves us to share his gospel and to share his grace with others. Who we are at our core is a liberated people. We're just like the Israelites. We can identify with them. We were once in bondage, once oppressed, once in spiritual darkness, once not able to enjoy anything. But God has liberated us miraculously through His hand, through His Son, Jesus Christ. And now He has made us a people to Himself. He's restored our life. God is a restoring God. Isn't that good news? He's a redeeming God. No matter where you've been, no matter where you come from, God loves you and can change your life from your inside out. We love this. We cherish this. And we want others to experience it. If you truly believe that God is the only one who satisfies, do you have a burden for people in your office who you work around every day to say, Oh, I can't, I can't imagine. I remember what it was like living like that, and I can't imagine. I want, to move, I want to move myself into their life so that I can share the gospel and grace of Jesus. I want them to experience what I experienced. Do you have a burden for your classmates like that? For your family like that? We should. We should have a desire to see people experience what we've experienced and to be alleviated of the many sufferings that happen in this world. Listen, get excited about this. Okay, don't look at the map yet. Listen to me. We want to be, our vision is to be a church downtown that is known for blessing our community. Okay, remember the clapping, excited part? We want to be known for our work in the community. We want people to say about ICC, those folks serve. Those folks are a blessing. Every time I've encountered that church, I can't believe what all they're doing. Those folks care about our community. We want to be that church. We want to lead. We want to set the example. We want to show people that we are filled to overflow when we're ready for them to taste what we have. In 2012, we started moving toward this idea of community ministry partnerships. And in 2012, these are really the four that we saw succeed. What we're trying to say is we are trying to partner with ministries all over our community that can alleviate suffering, that can bring help to the hopeless, that can care about the forgotten, that can alleviate pain. We are wanting to be a blessing to our community. And we're so wanting to create partnerships. We don't want to do drive-by shootings, what I call drive-by ministries, right? We don't want to just do it and then leave and abandon folks. No, we want to stick in there for the long haul. And so in 2012, what we saw is four partnerships emerge. These either meet monthly, weekly, or bi-monthly. We have a water ministry on the island. Every week we give out water. 50% of our visitors come to the church because of water. Who's come to the church because of water? Anybody here? Well, our visitors aren't sticking. All right. <laughs> we have ESL ministry every Thursday night at the Montessori School for Internationals. Every Thursday we want to be a blessing to internationals, helping them to learn English and teaching them about the Bible, most of whom have never heard it ever before. 
Every Monday, we go to the Glenmary and teach Bible study there to shut-ins and to the retired, to those who are in wheelchairs and walking chairs. We want to begin new, even more partnerships with them this next year. And then every month, many of you have served in this one, we feed the homeless the second Wednesday of every single month. These are four partnerships that have gone incredibly well. Would you agree? God has blessed. We have been known now as a church that partners in these ways. People will say, oh, yeah, they do ESL. Oh, yeah, they hand out water. Oh, yeah, they do the homeless thing. In 2013, we want to see these new partnerships grow and solidify. Some of them we've been working with as a drive-by ministry, but we want these to be solid community partnerships. We want to be serving up an impact at, in Fraser more regularly, helping to give food to the needy and sharing the gospel with those who do not know. We want to be working at St. Jude Target House. There's an event next month. We want to start doing that monthly or bi-monthly where we go in there and bless the families who live there. They're here for at least three or four months. We want to be a church for them while their kids are sick. We want to um, partner with Maria Montessori School on Mud Island and create even more regular opportunities for us to love on the families of those kids that go to that school. We want to be more involved there than we ever have been. And finally, we want to be more regularly involved over in New Hope, Arkansas, at the trailer park there. There are so many kids, so many needs, so much opportunity for ministry, practical help, and discipleship. We believe that God is calling our church to rise up and be a greater blessing in our community than ever before. Are you with me? Are you with us? Are you with us? Okay. I'm so glad you are because we need you. We're looking for leaders. We need folks who will be a champion of these. And we're looking for you to serve at least once a month in one of our community partnerships. We want you to, if you're drawn to the homeless ministry, make that your thing. Every time they do homeless ministry, make that your thing. If you're drawn to work with kids at St. Jude, make that your thing. Be there. Serve faithfully. We want to be a blessing to our community. We want you to pray about leading these. And we want you to pray about serving in these. Okay? This is what it means to be a church for our community. And God is raising us up. You know, St. Jude came to us about the, the building on Parkway. Do you know why? Because of what we're doing in the community. People are noticing that there's a church. Some of the, the crazy church meets down in the hotel. We don't even know those folks, but man, they're a blessing. Thank you for that church. God will be glorified when we serve freely, share his gospel and grace with others. Second thing I want to point your attention to with Liberate this year is we feel called in 2013 to renew our focus and ministry emphasis on Mud Island. We are called what? Island Community Church. We started in a home on the island. We moved to school on the island. And because of size limitations, we had to move off the island. And it's okay. But guess what? We are still a church primarily focused on reaching Mud Island. Now, I praise God that we're becoming more regional. But heaven forbid that we neglect the community that the church was planted to serve. Amen? We will not do it. We're the only church to our knowledge that is actively reaching out and serving the Mud Island community. 7,000 people living on the island. We're going to be a church for them. We'll be a church for downtown and midtown and wherever else too, but we will be a church for the island. Amen? What that means is... We want you to consider ways that you can serve on the island and be more intentional there. We want to see 
folks who say, you know, I live on the island, but I've never thought myself as a missionary on the island. Well, guess what? You should. The island is largely unreached. If we went out to the, part, the sidewalk right now, well, it's kind of cold and wet, but on most Sundays, people don't care. They don't want a part of it. We need to be missionally minded toward Mud Island. Okay, I just got permission. Michelle and I have been living in Midtown for the last couple of years, and y'all know that. Um, we moved off the island because we felt called to have a bigger space for you. <laughs> And we couldn't afford that bigger space on the island. We are actively praying about right now. We so sense God's leadership back to the island that we're praying about moving to the island. Why? Is it because we love the island? Of course we love the island. Is it our first preference for locations and price? Well, maybe not. We are considering and praying about a missional move to Mud Island. Why? so that we can get to know our neighbors, so that we can get to know folks across the street, so that we can walk up and down those sidewalks. Because we believe that being intentional, relational on the island will yield fruit for the kingdom of God from the island. Amen? I ask that you would consider what you might do. Some of y'all are looking for houses, thinking about moving off the island. I'd ask that you consider maybe investing. Consider yourself like a missionary. Plant in a place that desperately needs the Lord. And finally, in 2013, part of Liberate not only involves being a blessing to our community, serving, but it also involves sharing the gospel with our community. In 2013, I'll say this. In 2012, God broke our hearts that I do not believe that we were as intentional and missional and evangelistically oriented as we should have been. We didn't see the number of baptisms that we have seen in previous years. And granted, you can compare us to other churches and go, well, you're doing fine, but I don't compare to other churches. I'm comparing us to a city that's lost. I see 160 people here this morning and, and, and look at you and going, we should be reaching people who don't know Christ. We should be sharing the gospel and there should be fruit from that. We should be seeing more people come to Christ. Why are we not seeing it? I'll take my fair share. I, be, I, I am recommitting my focus this year to be evangelistically oriented in my personal life and my leadership in this church. I want to be more intentional of how we share the gospel on Sundays and call people to repentance and faith. But I want you also to consider what you can do this year to be more evangelistic in our community. Listen, it's hard here. I believe that many of us are doing a great job. We are actively praying and trying. And I recognize the challenges but we don't need to let up. Amen? In 2013, we need to renew our commitment to say, I will share the gospel with people. I am, like Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ because the gospel is the power of God to salvation for all who believe. We'll take serious Jesus' commandment, not suggestion, to go, to go and make disciples, to preach and to teach and to baptize them. This year in 2013, we want to baptize more people in Mississippi River. Amen? I might float a, a few to Tunica, too. But look, hopefully it's not you. But we want to baptize more people. Not because we want statistics, but because we have a burden to see our community reached for Christ. Are you committed to seek the welfare of our city and your neighbors? What group in our community is God calling you to serve? What ministry can you commit to regularly this year? And how will you be intentional about sharing the gospel with others this year? I want you to write down some names. Who can you share with this year? 
I want you to pray for them. And guess what? In 2013, we're going to help you. One of the things we're going to do is provide more regular evangelism training for those of you who might say, I want to, but I just don't feel comfortable how to. The first one will be the first week in March. It's going to be sharing your faith with people of other religions, which is many of us here in the island, okay? 2013. This one is very quick. Y'all just hang with me. This is such an important Sunday, okay? Such an important Sunday for you to understand where we have been and where we feel God is leading us. And I don't know what time it is. Let me look real quick. I will be done in the next 10 minutes, okay? Are y'all cool with that? If not, you can just go. I totally understand. I'm giving you freedom to go because I know we're going a little bit longer. But this is such an important day for us and a day for you as we think through. I don't know anything that could be more important, not even the NFL game. I don't know what time it starts. But I don't know of anything that could be more important in reflecting on where God is moving us in this year. The third pillar for us is lead. And what we say when we say lead is that God's word and his spirit in our lives lead us into intentional relationships that deepen our understanding, our intimacy, and our obedience to Jesus. What we're saying here is Christianity is not a one-time decision. It's a lifelong journey. And you should be actively pursuing the Lord every day of your life, every week of your life, every month of your life, every year of your life. You should say about where you are today, I thank God where he's grown me from where I was a year ago. You should be growing in your faith. We shouldn't be sitting around sipping on infant milk when God desires us to eat meat. That's what Paul says in one of his letters. He says, I'm ashamed that so many of you are just sipping on milk and you haven't learned to eat yet. See, we're to mature in Christ. And the way we do that is through God's word and his spirit and intentional relationships with other people. Iron sharpens iron, and so one man sharpens another. You're not just to have friendships. You're to have intentional relationships that move you closer to the Lord Jesus. Are you tracking with me? In 2012, we saw these small groups. For ICC, this primarily happens in the context of small groups. There are groups meeting at every little green spot there. And in 2013, there we saw two groups kind of start at the end of last year that are really solidified that we're calling official small groups in 2013. There is a group for every single person in this church. We have seen probably 40% of folks who come in on a Sunday morning actually show up at a small group. I don't know why that is. Maybe you think you're too busy. Maybe you're kind of scared. I was scared the first time I went to a small group. I'm like, these folks are crazy. I don't know what they're going to ask me. If they start asking me personal questions, I'm out. You know, you got that, like, that app on your phone that's like the fake ring thing, just in case you need it, you know, where it like fake dials you and you're like, oh, I'm sorry, guys, I got to go. Um, I don't know. Some of us think that way. There's a lot of reasons why people don't go to small groups, but let me just tell you, they're, they're, it's, it's folks like me. I'm pretty cool, I think. I've got some swagger. It's folks like me. It's folks like you. They're just normal folks. Look around. These folks don't look scary or mean. It's folks in this room that show up at small groups. And there's a group for everybody. They meet all over the city. They meet almost every day of the week. There's a different affinity groups. There's different focus groups. There's a group for you. Group is where life happens. It's where you grow up in Christ. It's where you're honest enough with yourself and others to actually move toward greater maturity in the Lord. question I have for us this year, and by the way, God's given us a vision for more and more and more people 
to get involved in small groups. And in fact, we want to birth new groups in the fall of this year, which means you're going to hear from some of your leaders this year, we're moving toward a more facilitation model rather than a teacher-oriented model, which means that we're going to ask some folks to rotate leadership, which means we've got something that we've decided we're going to study together, and there's questions prepared in advance, and all we need you to do is to walk into the group and be willing to ask those questions to the group having already prepared personally for that, okay? We're, move, we're doing that so that you can learn to lead and hopefully one day maybe even lead at your own group. We're going to need to expand groups as the church grows. How will you learn God's word from others this year? What small group will encourage and equip you? Who has God placed in your life to disciple this year? Who will you invest yourself in and who will invest in you? Those are things that I want you to consider. Well, finally, we're rounding the bend. The fourth component of who we are and what we do is launch, and that is this, that God's desire for all to know him give us purpose and move us to pray, give, and go so that all nations might join us in praise of his name. We are a launching church This place is like a trampoline, all right? I'm not really on a trampoline. Well, y'all all all know that. In case you were wondering, I'm not really on a trampoline. (laughs) I'm not really on a trampoline, but this place is a launching pad. It's a launching pad. We want you to come in, but then we want you to go out of here. Our purpose is not just to hibernate here, but it's to come here and then go out, to come here and to go out. We're a launching pad to the nations. We don't only share the gospel with people here in Memphis, but we go to the state, we go to the country, and we go to the nations because we want everyone to know God. Amen? We want all to know Him. I am so proud of this church, where we are in terms of launch. 25%, 25%, if you hold up four fingers, one of them, that's 25%, one of them, one whole digit, 25% goes to the ministries outside of this church. You can compare that to almost any other church. I don't know another one that's like it. We could do a lot more for ourselves if we didn't have a commitment to reach the nations. But we have a commitment and desire to reach the nations. And I said last year we had to have a budget increase, and it was like, how are we going to do this if we keep our missions like that? I said, no, 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 no. We will keep giving But the Lord has called us to give so that all might hear his name. Amen? 25% is our standard, and we will continue it as long as I'm here. In 2012, we had our first full-time missionary go out of this church and move to Tanzania, Africa. Praise God. Not only are we talking about missions, taking short-term trips, but we've got folks, God raising up folks in this church to say, I will go, I'll move. I want to see this group reach so much that I will move my life there. In 2013, we'll be able to send our second full-time missionary to Southeast Asia. We pray. We're praying actively for her visa. If y'all will just pray with us for her visa to clear. But this year, we are ready to not only send them, guys, but what sending means is we support them financially. We give them what they need to survive and to minister. Our second one. And guess what? I don't know who else. This year, I'm praying that God would send you. Why are you so attached to America? This place is is not as cool as we think it is. 
Why are we so attached here? Some of us need to pray. We all need to pray. We all need to think and consider, would God have me go? Could I live my life in a different place? Could I practice my career in a different place, my skills in a different place, so that a nation that doesn't know Christ might know Christ? Would it begin with me? That's Isaiah's cry. Here I am, Lord. Send me. I pray this year that God might stir in your heart, might grab in your heart an affection to go, a commitment to say, I will go. 2012, not one, not two, not three, not four, not five, not six, but seven new churches were started from ICC. (laughs) Praise God. Seven. All of them in Tanzania. These are direct church plants. Now, we support a lot of other missionaries that are indirect plants, but these are direct plants through the ministry of Glenn. Isn't that awesome? Now, Glenn told me that he's been working with one of them to name themselves ICC East. (laughs) And he said it's not going so well. He said, just pray for me because they don't understand acronyms, first of all. And he said they don't know why they would call themselves an island. (laughs) I was like, that's a good point. They're in the middle of the desert. So... We're just hoping they call it ICC East. That'd be really cool. But these are seven house churches. And in 2013, I pray we have even more. Amen? And we need to pray together that God would allow us to plant even more churches. Listen, this is a miracle. Our church was four years ago wondering if we could be a church, and now we planted seven. Okay, more response. Okay, it's awesome. It's awesome. This is why I get excited about being a part of this church. Excited giving here. This is what's happening here. It's amazing. Four years ago, we started a partnership for short-term trips to Tanzania. We have gone every year since. Two years ago, we started a partnership to Guatemala. And we've gone the last two years. This year, we will return teams to these two places. We will go to Tanzania this summer. And I want you to consider going with us. All in your chairs, there's a packet about missions opportunities for this year. We want you, in 2013, we have a desire to bring more people to the nations than ever before. We want you to come with us this year. We took about 20 people last year. This year, we want to take 40. Is this your year? We're going to Tanzania again. We're going to Guatemala in May, 22nd to 29th. And we're adding two new trips this year. We're taking a team to China in July, and we're taking a team to Ivory Coast in November. Okay, you can get excited about that. (laughs) This is the year that more people than ever before will go with us to the nations to be a part of what God's doing there. There are scholarships available for all these trips. Praise God for His faithfulness in 2012, a generous donor gave for a huge foundation to be set up for students who are we recognize in a position in life where finances may be more difficult for students to receive help to go on mission trips. $21,000 for this year. Nobody can say, I can't go because of money. You can give me a lot of other excuses, but you will not give me that one because God will provide for you. I'm asking you to go with us on a trip this year. If it's timing that's an issue, the Cote d'Ivoire trip is over Thanksgiving week. It's a week that hopefully many of you have off, and it's a medical-focused trip. And so we want you to pray about going with us this year to the nations.
How will you spread God's glory among the nations this year? How will you pray? How will you give? And how will you go? We will glorify God by making disciples of all nations. We cherish and follow Jesus. We bring everyone everywhere to do the same. Are you excited to be a part of this? I am thrilled. God is doing great things, and we will rejoice and be glad. Amen?